irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Hannibal, his full name was Hannibal Barca, was a Punic Carthaginian military commander, generally considered one of the greatest military commanders in history. His father, Hamilcar Barca, was the leading Carthaginian commander during the First Punic Wars. His younger brothers were Mago and Hasdrubal, and he was brother-in-law to Hasdrubal the Fair. Hannibal lived during a period of great tension in the Mediterranean when the Roman Republic established its supremacy over other great powers such as Carthage and the Hellenistic kingdoms of Macedonia, Syracuse, and the Seleucid Empire. One of his most famous achievements was at the outbreak of the Second Punic War when he marched an army, which included elephants, from Iberia, over the Pyrenees and the Alps into Italy. In his first few years in Italy, he won three dramatic victories, Trebia, Tresmiani, and Caen, in which he distinguished himself for his ability to determine his and his opponent's strengths and weaknesses, and to play the battle to his strengths and to his enemy's weaknesses. Hannibal won many allies of Rome. Hannibal occupied much of Italy for 15 years, but a Roman counter-invasion of North Africa forced him to return to Carthage, where he was decisively defeated by Scipio Africanus 
at the Battle of Zama. Scipio had studied Hannibal's tactics and brilliantly devised some of his own and finally defeated Rome's nemesis at Zama, having previously driven Hannibal's brother, Hasdrubal, out of the Iberian Peninsula. After the war, Hannibal successfully ran for the office of suffrage. He enacted political and financial reforms to enable the payment of the war indemnity imposed by Rome. However, Hannibal's reforms were unpopular with members of the Carthaginian aristocracy and in Rome, and he fled into voluntary exile. During this time, he lived at the Suliacid court, where he acted as military advisor to Antiochus III in his war against Rome. Antiochus met defeat at the Battle of Magnesia and was forced to accept Rome's terms, and Hannibal fled again, making a stop in Armenia. His flight ended in the court of Bithynia, where he achieved an outstanding naval victory against a fleet from Pergamon. He was afterwards betrayed by the Romans and committed suicide by poisoning himself. Hannibal is often regarded as one of the greatest military strategists in history and one of the greatest generals of antiquity, together with Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, Scipio, and Pyrrhus of Epirus. Plutarch states that Hannibal was questioned by Scipio as to who was the greatest general, and Hannibal replied either Alexander or Pyrrhus than himself, or according to another version of the event, Pyrrhus, Scipio, and then himself. Military historians called Hannibal the father of strategy because his greatest enemy, Rome, came to adopt elements of his military tactics in its own strategic arsenal. The praise has earned him a strong reputation in the modern world, and he was regarded as a great strategist by men like Napoleon Bonaparte. Hannibal was one of the sons of Hamilcar Barca, a Carthaginian leader. He had several sisters and two brothers, Hasdrubal and Mago. His brothers-in-law were Hasdrubal the Fair and the Nubidian king Naravis. He was still a child when his sisters married, and his brother-in-laws were close associates during his father's struggles in the mercenary war and the Punic contest of Iberia. In the light of his brother Hamlic- of his father's Hamilcar Borga's cognomen, historians refer to Hamilcar's family as the Barsids. However, there is debate as to whether the Kongerin Barca, meaning thunderbolt, was applied to Hamilcar alone, or was it heraldity within the family? 
If the latter is true, then Hannibal and his brothers also bore the name Barca or Thunderbolt. After Carthage's defeat in the First Punic War, Hamilcar set out to improve his family's and Carthage's fortunes. With that in mind, and supported by Gades, Hamilcar began the subjugation of the tribes of the Iberian Peninsula. Carthage at the time was in such a poor state that its navy was unable to transport his army to Iberia. Instead, Hamilcar had to march it towards the Pillars of Hercules and transport it across the Strait of Gibraltar. According to Polybius, Hannibal much later said that when he came upon his father and begged to go with him, Hamilcar agreed and demanded that he swear that as long as he lived, he would never be a friend of Rome. There is even an account of him at a very young age begging his father to take him to an overseas war. In the, in the story, Hannibal's father took him up and brought him to a sacrificial chamber. Hamilcar held Hannibal over the fire, roaring in the chamber, and made him swear that he would never be a friend of Rome. Other sources report that Hannibal told his father, I swear so soon as I age will permit, I will use fire and steel to arrest the dynasty and the destiny of Rome. According to the tradition, Hannibal's oath took place in the town of Pensacola, today's part of community of Valencia, Spain. Hannibal's father went about the conquest of Hispania. When his father drowned in battle, Hannibal's brother-in-law, Hasdrubal, succeeded him to him his command of the army with Hannibal, serving as an officer under him. Hasdrubal pursued a policy of consolidation of Carthage's Iberian interests, even signing a treaty with Rome, whereby Carthage would not expand north to the Ebro River, so long as Rome did not expand south of it. Hasdrubal also endeavored to consolidate Carthaginian power through diplomatic relations with native tribes. Upon the assassination of Hasdrubal in 2021 BC, upon the assassination of Hasdrubal in the year 221 BC, Hannibal was proclaimed commander in chief by the army and was confirmed in his appointment by the Carthaginian government. Livy, a Roman scholar, gives a depiction of the young Carthaginian. No sooner had he arrived, the old soldier fancied they saw Hamilcar in his youth given back to them. The same bright look, the same fire in his eyes, the same trick of countenance and features. Never was one and the same spirit more skillful to meet opposition, to obey, or to command. After he assumed command, Hannibal spent two years consolidating his holdings and completing the conquest of Hispania south of the Ebro. In his first campaign, Hannibal 
attacked and stormed the Oaklade's strongest center, Aletheia, which promptly led to their surrender and brought Punic power close to the river Tagus. His following campaign in, 20, in the year 220 BC was against the Vacchiae to the west, where he stormed the Vacchaean strongholds of Helamantis and Arbocula. On his return home, laden with many spoils, a coalition of Spanish tribes led by the Carpentanian attacked, and Hannibal won his first major battlefield success and showed off his tactical skills at the Battle of the River Tagus. However, Rome, fearing the growing strength of Hannibal in the Iberia, made an alliance with the city of Sanctum, which lay a considerable distance south of the river Ebro, and claimed the city as its protectorate. Hannibal not only perceived this as a breach of the treaty signed with Hatsbrill, but as he was already planning an attack on Rome, this was a way to start the war. So he laid siege to the city, which fell after eight months. Rome reacted to this apparent violation of the treaty and demanded justice from Carthage. In view of Hannibal's great popularity, the Carthaginian government did not repudiate Hannibal's actions, and the war he sought was declared at the end of the year. Hannibal was now determined to carry the war into the heart of Italy by a rapid march through Hispania and southern Gaul. Hannibal then went overland to Italy for the Second Punic War from 218 B.C. to 204 B.C. This journey was originally planned by Hannibal's brother-in-law, Hasdrubal the Fair, who became a Carthaginian general in Iberia in the year 229 B.C. He maintained this post for eight years until 221 B.C., Soon the Romans became aware of an alliance between Carthage and the Celts of the Po River Valley in northern Italy. The Celts were amassing forces to invade farther south in Italy, presumably with Carthaginian backing. Therefore the Romans preemptively invaded the Po region in 225 BC. By 220 BC, the Romans had annexed the area of Gallia Cisciplina, then, Hasdrubal was assassinated around the t- same time, which was 221 B.C., bringing Hannibal to the fore. It seems that the Romans lulled themselves into a false sense of security, having dealt with the threat of Gallo-Carthaginian invasion and perhaps knowing that the original Carthaginian commander had been killed. Hannibal departed New Carthage in the late spring of, 28, of 218 B.C. He fought his way through the northern tribes to the foothills of the Pyrenees, subduing the tribes through clever mountain tactics and stubborn fighting. He left a detachment of 20,000 troops to garrison the newly conquered region. At the Pyrenees, he released 11,000 Iberian troops who showed reluctance to leave their homeland. 
Hannibal reportedly entered Gaul with 40,000 foot soldiers and 12,000 horsemen. Hannibal recognized that he still needed to cross the Pyrenees, the Alps, and many significant rivers. Additionally, he would have to contend with opposition from the Gauls, whose territory he passed through. Starting in the spring of 218 BC, he crossed the Pyrenees and reached the River Rhone by conciliating the Gaulish chiefs along the passage before the Romans could take any measures to bar his advance. Arriving at the Rhone in September, Hannibal's army numbered 38,000 infantry, 8,000 cavalry, and 38 elephants, almost none of which would survive the harsh conditions of the Alps. Hannibal outmaneuvered the natives who had tried to prevent his crossing then evaded a Rome force marching from the Mediterranean coast by turning inland up the valley of the Rhone. His exact route over the Alps has been the source of scholarly dispute ever since. Polybus, the surviving ancient account closest in time to Hannibal's campaign, reports that the route was already debated in his time. The most influential modern theories favor either a march up the valley of the Drome and a crossing of the main range to the south of a modern highway over the Col de Montadave, or a march further north of the valleys of the Isère and Arc, crossing the main range near the present Col de Mont Sinus, or the Little St. Bernard Pass. Recent numistic evidence suggests that Hannibal's army may have passed within sight of the Matterhorn. By Livy's account, the crossing was accomplished in the face of huge difficulties. These Hannibal surmounted with ingenuity, such as when he used vinegar and fire to break through a rockfall. According to Polybius, he arrived in Italy accompanied by 20,000 foot soldiers, 4,000 horsemen, and only a few elephants. The fired rockfall event is mentioned only by Livy. Polybus is mute on the subject, and there is no evidence of carbonized rock at the only two-tier rockfall in the Western Alps, located below the Col de Traverse. If Polybus is correct in his figures for the numbers of troops that he commanded after crossing the Rhone, this would suggest that he had lost almost half his force. Historians have questioned the reliability of the figures for the numbers of troops that he had had when he left in Spania. From the start, he seems to have calculated that he would have to operate without aid from Hispania. Hannibal's vision of military affairs was derived partly from the teaching of his Greek tutors and partly from experience gained alongside his father and it stretched over most of the Hellenistic world of his time. Indeed, the breadth of his vision gave rise to his grand strategy of conquering Rome by opening a northern front 
and subduing allied city-states on the peninsula, rather than by attacking Rome directly. Historical events which led to the defeat of Carthage during the First Punic Wars, when his fathers commanded the Carthaginian army, also led Hannibal to plan the invasion of Italy by land across the Alps. The task was daunting, to say the least. It involved the mobilization of between 60,000 and 100,000 troops and the training of a war elephant corps, all of which had to be provisioned along the way. The Alpine invasion of Italy was a military operation that would shake the Mediterranean world of 218 BC with repercussions for more than two decades. Hannibal's perilous march brought him into the Roman territory and frustrated the attempts of the enemy to fight out the main issue on foreign ground. His sudden appearance among the Gauls of the Po Valley, moreover, enabled him to detach those tribes from their new allegiances to the Romans before the Romans could take steps to check the rebellion. Publius Cornelius Scipio was the council who commanded the Roman forces sent to intercept Hannibal. He was also Scipio Afranus's father. He had not expected Hannibal to make an attempt to cross the Alps, since the Romans were prepared to fight the war in Iberia. With a small detachment still positioned in Gaul, Scipio made an attempt to intercept Hannibal. He succeeded, though, prompt, through prompt decision and speedy movement in transporting his army to Italy by sea in time to meet Hannibal's. Hannibal's forces moved through the Po Valley and were engaged in a large-scale skirmish at Ticinus. Here, Hannibal forced the Romans to evacuate the plain of Lombardy by virtue of his superior cavalry. The victory was minor, but it encouraged the Gauls and the Ligurians to join the Carthaginian cause whose troops bolstered his army back to around 40,000 men. Scipio was severely injured, his life only saved by the bravery of his son, who rode back onto the field to rescue his fallen father. Scipio retreated across the river Trebia to camp at Placentia, with his army mostly intact. The other Roman consular army was rushed to the Po Valley. Even before news of the defeat at Ticinius had reached Rome, the Senate had ordered Consul Sempremnianus Longus to bring his army back from Sicily to meet Scipio and face Hannibal. Hannibal, by skillful maneuvers, was in position to head him off, for he lay on the direct road between Palencia and Armenium, by which Sempronius would have to march to reinforce Scipio. He then captured Clastidium, from which he drew a large amount of supplies for his men. But this gain was not without loss, as Sempronius avoided Hannibal's watchfulness, slipped around his flank, and joined his colleague in the camp near the Trebia River, near Placentia. There Hannibal had the opportunity to show his masterful military skills at Trebia in December of the same year 
after wearing down the superior Roman infantry when he cut it to pieces with a surprise attack and an ambush from the flanks. Hannibal quartered his troops for the winter with the Gauls, whose support for him had abated. In the spring of 217 B.C., Hannibal decided to find a more reliable base of operations farther south. Gnaeus Servalus and Gaius Flaninus, the new consuls of Rome, were expecting Hannibal to advance on Rome, and they took their armies to block the eastern and western routes that Hannibal could use. The only alternative route to central Italy lay at the mouth of the Arno. This area was practically one huge marsh and happened to be overflowing more than usual during this particular season. Hannibal knew that this route was full of difficulties, but it remained the surest and certainly the quickest way to central Italy. Polybus claims that Hannibal's men marched for four days and three nights through a land that was underwater, suffering terribly from fatigue and enforced want of sleep. He crossed without opposition over both the Apennines, during which he lost his right eye because of conjunctivitis, and the seemingly impassable Arno. But he also lost a large part of his force in the marshy lowlands of the Arno. He arrived in Etrunia in the spring of the year 217 B.C., and decided to lure the main Roman army under Flaminus into a pitched battle by devastating the region that Flaminus had been sent to protect. A Polybus recounts, Hannibal calculated that if he passed the camp and made a decent descent to protect, uh, made a decent into, descent into the district beyond, Flaminus, partly for the fear of popular reproach, and partly for personal irritation, would be unable to endure watching passively as the devastation of the country, but would spontaneously follow him and give him opportunities for attack. At the same time, Hannibal tried to break the allegiances of Rome's allies by proving that Flanius was powerless to protect them. Despite this, Flaminius remained passively encamped at Ariadum. Hannibal marched boldly around Flaminius's left flank, unable to draw him into battle by mere devastation, and effectively cut him off from Rome, thus executing the first recorded turning movement in military history. He then advanced through the uplands of Utria, provoking Flaminius into a hasty pursuit and catching him in a defile on the shores of Lake Trasmianus. There, Hannibal destroyed Flamnius's army in the waters or in the adjoining slopes, killing Flamnius as well. This was the most costly ambush that the Romans ever sustained until the Battle of Cara against the Parthians. Hannibal had now disposed of the only field force that could check his advance upon Rome. But he realized that, 
without siege engines, he could not hope to take the capital. He preferred to exploit his victory by entering into central and southern Italy and encouraging a general revolt revolt against the sovereign power. The Romans appointed Fabius Maximus as their dictator. Departing from Roman military traditions, Fabius adopted the strategy named after him, avoiding open battle while placing several Roman armies in Annibal's vicinity in order to watch and limit his movements. Hannibal ravaged Apulia, but was unable to bring Fabius to battle. So he decided to march through Samnium to Campania, one of the richest and most fertile provinces of Italy, hoping that the devastation would draw Fabius into battle. Fabius closely followed Hannibal's path of destruction, yet still refused to let himself be drawn out of the defense. The strategy was very unpopular with many Romans, who believed that it was a form of cowardice. Hannibal decided it would be unwise to winter in the already devastated lowlands of Campania, but Fabius had ensured that all the passes were blocked out of Campania. To avoid this, Hannibal deceived the Romans into thinking that the Carthaginian army was going to escape through the woods. As the Romans moved off towards the woods, Hannibal's army occupied the pass and then made their way through the pass unopposed. Fabius was within striking distance, but in this case his caution worked against him. Smelling a stratagem, he stayed put. For the winter, Hannibal found comfortable quarters in the Apulian plain. What Hannibal achieved in this extricating his army was a classic of ancient generalship finding its way into nearly every historical narrative of the war and being used by later military manuals. This was a severe blow to Fabius's prestige, and soon after this, his period of dictatorial power ended. In the spring of 216 B.C., Hannibal took the initiative and seized the large supply depot at Caen in the Apulian plain. By capturing Caen, Hannibal placed himself between the Romans and their crucial sources of supply. Once the Roman Senate resumed their consular elections in the year 216 BC, they appointed Gaius Terentius Varro and Lucius Armelius Paulus as consuls. In the meantime, the Romans hoped to gain success through sheer strength of weight of numbers as they raised a new army of unprecedented size, estimated by some to be as large as 100,000 men, but more likely to be around 50 to 80,000 men. The Romans and the Allied legions resolved to confront Hannibal and march southward to Apulia, they eventually found him on the left bank of the Aftius River and encamped six miles or ten kilometers away. On this occasion, the two armies were combined into one, 
the consuls having to alternate their command on a daily basis. Varro was in command on the first day, a man of reckless and hubristic nature, and determined to defeat Hannibal. Hannibal capitalized on the eagerness of Varro and drew him into the trap by using an envelopment tactic. This eliminated the Roman numerical advantage by shrinking the combat area. Hannibal drew up his least reliable infantry in a semicircle in the center with the wigs, wings composed of Gaelic and Numidian horses. The Roman legions forced their way through Hannibal's weak center, but the Libyan mercenaries on the wings swung around by the movement menaced their flanks. The onslaught of Hannibal's mercenaries on the wings, the onslaught of Hannibal's cavalry was irresistible. Hannibal, Hannibal's chief cavalry commander, Marabel, led the mobile Numidian cavalry on the right, and they shattered the Roman cavalry opposing them. Hannibal's Iberian and Gallic heavy cavalry, led by Hanno on the left, defeated the Roman heavy cavalry and the, both the Carthaginian heavy cavalry and the Numidians attacked the legions from behind. As a result, the Roman army was hemmed in with no means of escape. Due to these brilliant tactics, Hannibal managed to surround and destroy all but a small remnant of his army, despite his own inferior numbers. Depending upon the source, it is estimated that 50 to 70,000 Romans were killed or captured. Among the dead were Roman consul Lucius Aemilius Paulus, as well as two consuls for the preceding year, two quaestors, 29 out of the 48 military tribunes, and an additional 80 senators. At that time when the Roman Senate was composed of no more than 300 men, this constituted 25 to 30 percent of the governing body of Rome. This makes the battle one of the most catastrophic defeats in the history of ancient Rome and one of the bloodiest battles in all of human history in terms of numbers of lives lost within a single day. After Khan, the Romans were very hesitant to confront Hannibal in pitch battle, preferring instead to weaken him by attrition, relying on their advantages of interior lines, supply, and manpower. As a result, Hannibal fought no more major battles in Italy for the rest of the war. It is believed that his refusal to bring the war to Rome itself was due to a lack of commitment from the Carthage of men, money, and materiel, principally siege equipment. Whatever the reason, the choice prompted Marabal to say, Hannibal, you know how to gain a victory, but not how to use one. As a result of his victory, many parts of Italy joined Hannibal's cause. As Polybus notes, how much more serious was the defeat of 
of Khan than those that preceded it can be seen by the behavior of Rome's allies. Before that fateful day, their loyalty remained unshaken. Now, it began to waver for the simple reason that they despaired of Roman power. During that same year, the Greek cities in Sicily were induced to revolt against the Roman political control, while Macedonia's King Philip V pledged to support to Hannibal, thus irritating the First Macedonian War against Rome. Hannibal also secured an alliance with the newly appointed Hieronymus of Syracuse. It is often argued that if Hannibal had received proper material reinforcements from Carthage, he might have succeeded with a direct attack upon Rome. Instead, he had to content himself with subduing the fortresses that still held out, held out against him, and the only other notable event of the year 216 B.C. was the defeat of certain Italian territories, including Capua, the second largest city in Italy, which Hannibal made his new base. However, only a few of the Italian city-states defected to him that he had expected to gain as allies. The war in Italy settled into a strategic stalemate. The Romans used the attrition strategy that Fabius had taught them, and which, they finally realized, was the only feasible means of defeating Hannibal. Indeed, Fabius received the surname Cuncater, the Delayer, because of his policies of not meeting Hannibal in open battle, but through guerrilla scorched-earth tactics. The Romans deprived Hannibal of a large-scale battle and instead assaulted his weakening army with multiple smaller armies in an attempt to both weary him and create unrest in his troops. For the next few years, Hannibal was forced to sustain a scorched-earth policy and obtain local provisions for protracted and ineffectual operations throughout southern Italy. His immediate objectives were reduced to minor operations centered mainly around the cities of Campania. The forces detached to Hannibal's lieutenants were generally unable to hold their own, and neither his home government nor his new ally, Philip V of Macedonia, helped to make up those losses. His positions in southern Italy, therefore, became increasingly difficult and his chance of ultimately conquering Rome grew ever more remote. Hannibal still won a number of noticeable, notable victories, completely destroying two Roman armies in 212 BC and two, killing two consuls, including the famed Marcus Claudius Marcellus in the battle in 208 BC. However, Hannibal slowly began losing ground inadequately supported by his Italian allies, abandoned by his government, either because of jealousy or simply because Carthage was overstretched, and unable to match Rome's resources, 
he was never able to bring about another grand decisive victory that would produce a lasting strategic change. Carthaginian political will was embodied in the ruling oligarchy. There was Carthaginian Senate, but the real power was the inner council of 30 nobles on the board of judges from ruling families known as the 104. These two bodies came from the wealthy commercial families of Carthage. Two political factions operated in Carthage. The War Party, also known as the Barsids, which is Hannibal's family's name, and the Peace Party led by Hanno II, the Great. Hanno had been instrumental in denying Hannibal's requested reinforcements following the battle at Khan. Hannibal started the war without the full backing of the Carthaginian oligarchy. His attack of Sangunium had presented the oligarchy with a choice of war with Rome or loss of prestige in Iberia. The oligarchy, not Hannibal, controlled the strategic resources of Carthage. Hannibal constantly sought reinforcements from either Iberia or North Africa. Hannibal's troops who were lost in combat were replaced with less less well-trained and motivated mercenaries from Italy or Gaul. The commercial interest of the Carthaginian oligarchy dictated the reinforcement and supply of Iberian rather than Hannibal throughout the campaign. In the year 212 BC, Hannibal captured Terranum, but he failed to obtain control of its harbor. The tide was slowly turning against him in favor of Rome. The Romans then mounted two sieges of Capua, which fell in the year 211 BC, and completed their conquest of Syracuse and the destruction of the Carthaginian army in Sicily. Shortly thereafter, the Romans pacified Sicily and entered into an alliance with the Aetolian League to counter Philip V. Philip V, who attempted to exploit Rome's preoccupation in Italy to conquer Illyria, now found himself under attack from several sides at once and was quickly subdued by the Rome and her Greek allies. Meanwhile, Hannibal had defeated Philufius at the Battle of Herodonia in Apulia, but lost Tarentunium the following year. In the year 210 BC, Hannibal again proved his superiority in tactics by inflicting severe defeat at Herodonia in Apulia upon a proconsular army and, in the year 208 B.C., destroyed a Roman force engaged in the siege. But, with the loss of Tarentunium in 209 B.C., and the gradual reconquest of the Romans of Samian and Lucania, 
his hold on South Italy was almost lost. In 2007 BC, he succeeded in making his way again into Apulia, where he waited in concert measure for a combined march upon Rome with his brother Hasdrubal Barca. On hearing, however, of his brother's defeat and death at Meteris, he retired into Brutinium, where he maintained himself for the ensuing years. His brother's head had been cut off, carried across Italy, and tossed over the palisades of Cannibal's camp as a cold message of the ironclad will of the Roman Republic. The combination of these events marked the end to Hannibal's success in Italy. With the failure of his brother Magio Barca in Liguria from 205 to 203 BC and his own negotiations with Philip V of Macedonia, the last hope of recovering his ascendancy in Italy was lost. In the year 203 BC, after nearly 15 years of fighting in Italy and with the military fortunes of Carthage rapidly declining, Hannibal was recalled to Carthage to direct the defense of his native country against an Roman invasion under Scipio Africanus. Hannibal's return to Carthage, the conclusion of the Second Punic War from 203 to 201 B.C. In 203 B.C., Hannibal was recalled from Italy by the war party in Carthage. After leaving a record of his expedition engraved in Punic and Greek upon bronze, tab- bronze tablets, in the temple of Juno in Crotona, he sailed back to Africa. His arrival immediately restored the predominance of the war party, which placed him in command of a combined force of African levies and his mercenaries from Italy. In the year 202 BC, Hannibal met Scipio in a fruitless peace conference. Despite mutual admiration, negotiations floundered due to Roman allegations of Punic faith, referring to the breach of protocols that ended the First Punic Wars by the Carthaginian attack on Sanganium and a Carthaginian attack on a stranded Roman fleet. Scipio and Carthage had worked out a peace plan, which was approved by Rome. The terms of the treaty were quite modest, but the war had been long for the Romans. Carthage could keep its African territory, but would lose its overseas empire, a feat a comply. Manassas was to be independent. Also, Carthage was to reduce its fleet and pay a war indemnity. But Carthage then made a terrible blunder. Its long-suffering citizens had captured a stranded Roman fleet 
in the Gulf of Tunis, modern-day Tunisia, and stripped it of supplies, an action that aggravated the faltering negotiations. Meanwhile, Hannibal, recalled from being recalled from Italy by the Carthaginian Senate, had returned with his army. Fortified by both Hannibal and the supplies, the Carthaginians rebuffed the treaty and Roman protests. The decisive battle at Zama soon followed. The defeat removed Hannibal's heir of invincibility. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.